Welcome to Rams Up. This is an L.A. Rams podcast. We'll touch on other SoCal sports news of merit, but it's mostly about the Rams here. Thank you for joining us. You can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com and visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Let's get to it. Greetings, Ram fans. A lot to cover this week. Included in this episode, we will be sharing play number seven of My Greatest Ram Plays. The countdown continues. Also, our major feature this episode, the Rams have added 21 players in the past couple weeks between the draft, undrafted free agents, and a waiver wire pickup. So we're going to look at all of the positional battles to look forward to on offense, defense, and special teams. We'll also have another sports pet peeve of the week. And we're going to take a look at last week's. We're going to revisit that real briefly. I got some pretty heated feedback on that one. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that up front before our new pet peeve. The schedule comes out May 12th. Our next episode next week, we'll take a close look at that. I'm hoping the Rams open at SoFi. And crossing my fingers, as I talked about one episode, I think the ideal opponent would be the Lions. We'll see if that happens. We'll take all comers, though. Coming up in a second here, we're going to take a look at all 11 of the Rams' undrafted free agent signings. But let's take a quick look at some other SoCal news before we get to the Rams' stuff. It seems like three weeks ago, and actually I think it was exactly three weeks ago, we were talking about the Dodgers' prospects of winning 116 games. Well, have things changed? They were 14 and 4 as of April 20th. Then they went on a 3 and 12 run. I feel pretty confident the Dodgers are going to win this division, but things have changed. Prospects are a little bit different right now. They're in second place behind the Giants. They have a lot of work left in the Angels. Wow, uh, I thought things were looking up for them. They're back in last place. Pujols is gone. Feel so bad for Mike Trout the best player in the game. Enough of baseball. Let's get to some Ram news. Marcus Peters appears to be picking a fight with the Rams and Jalen Ramsey again. Calling out the Rams for trading him. Felt like he was insulted when they did that. I don't get it. Peters has always been a little volatile. And maybe, just maybe, he wishes he was back in L.A. playing in that stadium. Thought it was kind of fun that he did that. Pro Football Focus told us what we all already know. The Rams have two top 10 cornerbacks, the only team with two top 10 cornerbacks. So that was kind of nice, Williams and Ramsey. The Rams also claimed a John Daka from the Jets, defensive lineman 6'2", only 227. That's the numbers I have. I thought that was kind of odd. DK Metcalf bringing some additional attention to himself, running in that 100-yard race, whatever DK we see ya. And if I hear one more time that Stafford makes the Rams a Super Bowl contender, I heard it again this week, I swear, they already were and they continue to be. Can we please rephrase that, writers and experts? Stafford does not make the Rams a Super Bowl contender. He makes them potentially a Super Bowl favorite. Quick little stat for you. NFL Draft Round 1 
12.6 million viewers. For comparison, World Series Game 6 Dodgers in Tampa last year, 4.2 million. That's a pretty good number for the NFL. And I also saw Lance Zerline came out with his estimation of the comp picks that would be awarded next year, estimating that the Rams could receive five comp picks next year. That's on top of the six they already have. One of those comp picks would actually be for the Lions hiring Brad Holmes. 11 picks that would have a pick in round two, two in round three, one in round four, one in round five, four in round six, and two in round seven. So there's five comp picks, and then the round seven pick the Rams got from Miami for Tully. So that's our news of note, NFL Rams and SoCal-wise. In a minute, we'll be back with our look at the Rams' undrafted free agents. I wanted to talk a little bit about the 11 undrafted free agents that the Rams signed. A few of them I'll talk a little bit more about than the others. So let's run down a list here. These 11 guys, Landon Akers, a wide receiver out of Iowa State, Jovan Grant, defensive back out of Merrimack, Bronte Harris, another defensive back, University of Alabama, Birmingham, 5'9", 184, George Silvanic, defensive tackle out of Air Force, and Max Roberts, outside linebacker edge out of Boston College. He comes in at 6'1", 256. And Jordan Meredith, the Rams didn't draft a center, but Meredith can play guard or center. Western Kentucky, 6'3", 302. He's got the perfect measurables for an NFL center. And then there is Max Percher, an offensive lineman, the NFL allocated him to the Rams out of Europe, 6'7", 300 pounds. So he won't count against the practice squad number, uh, but that's where he will be for the time being. The remaining guys, in my opinion, merit a little bit more discussion. One of them is Paris Ford, a safety out of Pittsburgh, six foot 190. He was probably hoping to get drafted maybe in that sixth or seventh round range, but it did not happen. He's a physical, aggressive, athletic safety. He probably would have been a higher pick in an earlier era of football, the 1970s, big hitter. He has some shortcomings in coverage, but he's got the potential to be a starter. His backfield partner there at Pittsburgh, Damar Hamlin, was one of the defensive backs that I pinged as a potential draft pick by the Rams. He's one of the guys I really liked. He was drafted by Buffalo in the sixth round. By the way, five players from that Panther defense were drafted. So I don't know much about the University of Pittsburgh's defense, but it must have been pretty dang good. Another guy they signed, Alaric Jackson, offensive tackle out of Iowa, 6'5", 315. And this is a guy that some people said was the best undrafted offensive lineman. The word on the street about Jackson is, is that when he came into the University of Iowa, he was very good, highly recruited, but he didn't really get better from year to year. And by the way, that Iowa offensive line was one of the best in the country. So Jackson held his own, 
solid performer, but the concern was that he didn't continue to get better, and apparently that's why he wasn't drafted. But he's got the measurables. He's performed well for a very good offensive line. So I think he's got a shot to make this team. He's going to have to beat out some guys. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in our positional battles. Another interesting signing was Jeremiah Hadel, the wide receiver kick returner out of Texas State, 6 feet 170. What's interesting about Hadel is he was an All-American kick returner, according to ESPN. So if the Rams are looking for a kick returner, and they are, Hadel's got a shot at making this team. He's going to have to really shine. He's obviously got some guys to beat out, and he's going to have to show some value elsewhere. But he's got to be a candidate for that kick returner spot. Uh, but it'll be tough for him to make the team. Another guy, Troy Warner, safety out of BYU. As most of you have probably heard, Warner is Fred Warner's little brother. Fred Warner, the linebacker with the 49ers. Fred Warner, who might be, in my opinion, one of the best linebackers in the game. Troy's a safety. They both played high school football at Mission Hills High in North County, San Diego. And when I realized that, I got to thinking, that's the same area Terrell Burgess is from. And lo and behold, these two guys played against each other at the high school level. As a matter of fact, I suspect they butted heads quite a bit. Warner was a free safety and wide receiver for Mission Hills, while Burgess was a cornerback, wide receiver, and kick returner for San Marcos High. They're in the same league, North County, San Diego. Curious how well these guys know each other. They must have butted heads. So that's the 11 undrafted free agents right now. I see Jackson, Hadel, Warner, and Ford as all having a shot at making this team. Their work's cut out for them, but it seems like every year the Rams have an undrafted free agent that makes the team. Perhaps it'll be one of these guys this year. I think it would be very timely to have some roster talk. The Rams drafted nine new players. They signed 11 undrafted free agents. And they also picked up a guy on waivers from the Jets. So that's 21 new players on this roster. I am not going to try to assemble a depth chart. I think that's a fool's errand at this point. However, what I would like to do is identify where the really interesting and competitive roster battles are going to manifest themselves. And there's quite a few that are pretty intriguing. So let's go through each position group and try to pinpoint where these battles are going to occur. Start with the DBs. Let's start with the DBs. It's pretty clear we have a few roster locks here, using that term liberally. There's always going to be a surprise or two. But for now, Let's say there are eight DBs that are making this roster for sure. Ramsey, Williams, Long, Fuller, Rapp, Burgess, Rochelle, and Scott. I see three guys as battling for additional roster spots in this group. The ones that can contribute on special teams are probably going to be the ones that make the roster. How many are they going to carry? More than eight, maybe nine, maybe ten. But the DBs in the running for these roster spots, J.J. Hughes, 
Paris Ford, and Dante Dion. Those are the three battling probably for an additional one or two roster spots. The long shots, Troy Warner, Jake Gervas, J.R. Reed. There's a couple of undrafted free agents that will be on the field. Maybe practice squad candidates, as were the previous three, Jovan Grant and Bronte Harris. So that's how I'd sum up the defensive backs. Eight locks, three guys fighting for two spots, and then another five guys fighting it out. Maybe emerging as contenders or ending up on the practice squad. Let's take a look at the linebackers. This is a little complicated. The Rams run four linebackers out there, including the edge guys. They got two guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents next year, Micah Kaiser and Kenny Young. They got a guy, Trevan Howard, who was penciled in as a starter last year before a season-ending injury. And they have the rookie third-round pick, Jones. They got the seventh-round pick, Chris Garrett, who is an edge guy in college, is probably going to be an outside linebacker special teamer. Is Lewis healthy? But I still see seven guys that I'm penciling in right now. Jones, Kaiser, Reeder, Young, Oko, Floyd, and Lewis. And you might note that I did not include in that group Trevan Howard, Chris Garrett, or Justin Hollins. Those three will be fighting it out for one or two additional spots. So when I say there's going to be talent hitting the street, it might be out of this group. I think the edge Garrett has is his ability to play special teams. The strike against Hollins is he had played for Brandon Staley in Denver. Staley is gone now. Where does that leave Hollins? This is going to be a really interesting group to watch. The guys I did not mention that I see as long shots, potential practice squad guys, Max Roberts, the undrafted free agent, Justin Lawler coming back from two years of injuries, and Chris Roseboom, who was an undrafted free agent last year, and Moncrief, who is probably an extreme long shot. Defensive line is more straightforward. We have six guys. We have six solid guys. Two of them are rookies, though, but I'm still calling them solid. The Rams seem to think highly of them. So who do we have? Aaron Donald, Bobby Brown, Ernest Brown, Greg Gaines, Ashan Robinson, and Sebastian Joseph Day. That's a pretty solid group. I'll go to war with those six. Don't need anybody else, but they may carry a seventh guy. And who do you have competing for that seventh spot? They just picked up Daka on waivers from the Jets. He's a candidate, as is Copeland and Banks. Marquise Copeland, they've kept him around for a few years. The Rams obviously like him. I see him as a shot at earning a roster spot. He basically will have to beat out linebackers and defensive backs who are trying to earn special teams positions on this team. So if someone else shines on special teams and Copeland cannot, he'll probably be an odd man out. You got Jonah Williams and George Savonic, Savonic being one of the undrafted free agents after this most recent draft. So that's how I see the defense shaping up. Jump into special teams here real quick. Holba and Werfel will be battling it out for the long snapper spot. So that'll be one battle to watch. Probably not as exciting as some of the others, but a battle nonetheless. Matthew Gay will have to fight off Austin McGinnis for the kicking job. I don't see Gay losing that battle, though. That leaves our punter. Johnny Hecker, essentially a legend already with the Rams. 
And then they go out and sign Corey Borjorquez, who can boom the ball. His leg might even be stronger than Johnny's. It certainly was last year based on stats. But do the Rams really see this as a battle? They say they do not. They say they did not bring Bajorquez in to compete for this position, which makes absolutely no sense to me. I think there's an agenda here. I think there's a battle for this punting spot, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. I would not even be surprised if the Rams already have Hecker on the move, but only time will tell. I think that's a battle to watch nonetheless. We'll have to keep our eye on that one. When we come back, we will take a look at the position battles on the offensive side of the ball. Alrighty then, we discussed position battles on the defensive side of the ball, the ones that we should have our eye on. What about on the offensive side? Well, quarterback's pretty straightforward. We know who the starter is, and we're pretty dang sure who the backup is, Stafford and Wolford. I do not see them carrying three quarterbacks. There will be one on the practice squad. That'll obviously be a battle between Bryce Perkins and Devlin Hodges. I have no idea who's going to come out on top there, but I'm sure they'll both get their opportunities in the preseason. It's only three games, though, so whoever comes out on top will be the one who takes advantage of those limited preseason opportunities. Offensive line, pretty deep, actually. Something we lose sight of before the draft. But Whitworth, Havenstein, Edwards, Corbett, Noteboom, and Evans are all locks for this roster. They've all proven themselves to be good to extremely good offensive linemen. I don't think any of them would be a weak link if they were starters. I'd expect the Rams to carry at least eight, possibly nine, and there will be a battle between Shelton Brewer, the undrafted free agent Jackson, Brian Allen returning from the injury, and Tremaine Ankrum. So who comes out on top there? I expect the Rams will be juggling their offensive line in the preseason and in camp, trying to figure out who is versatile, who can hold down that center position, who can fill in at guard or tackle if someone goes down. So again, Shelton Brewer, Jackson, Allen, and Ankrum all battling probably for two, possibly three additional spots. The odd men out. Demby, who's been around a couple years. Meredith, the undrafted free agent guard center. And Percher, the European player assigned to the Rams. The tight end group, Higby's there for sure. We know that. The question is, is Jacob Harris a tight end or a wide receiver? If he is not, then you see Hopkins and Munt both making this team. If he is... I see Hopkins and Munt battling for a spot. What's interesting is, is Munt is more of an inline blocker. Very few opportunities in the passing game. Hopkins, we just don't know. He was on the field very briefly last year, did not record a catch. And he seems very similar to Harris in a lot of ways. Although Harris is only 219 pounds, 
and Hopkins has the measurables of a traditional tight end. So you're tempted to see this as a battle between Harris and Hopkins, but I don't see it that way because Harris is going to be on this roster regardless. Guaranteed, barring injury, Jacob Harris makes this roster as a rookie. Hopkins? Not so sure. I suspect he will, but we just don't know. The Rams are really not... The Rams are pretty good at keeping these camp secrets of what they think of Hopkins, especially before the draft. That makes sense. The real question is, is Harris a wide receiver or a tight end? If Harris is seen more as a wide receiver by the Rams, then Hopkins makes this team. If they're seeing Harris as more of a tight end, then Hopkins could be in trouble battling Munt. I don't see them carrying four tight ends. Kendall Blanton is the odd man out, but on the practice squad in past years, we'll see what happens with him. I don't really see him as a competitor for a roster spot at this point. Running back, another position that's fairly easy to evaluate as far as position battles go. Akers and Henderson are on this roster for sure. I see Xavier Jones as another lock. Could get some pushback on that. I see the real battle being between Raymond Kalais and Jake Funk. Both could be seen as significant contributors on special teams in different ways, though. So I see that as a battle. Kalais and Funk battling for that fourth spot in the running back room. Save the best for last wide receiver. So we got some locks, Cup, Woods, Atwell, and Van Jefferson, and Deshaun Jackson. When we talked about tight ends, we mentioned Harris. Does he land in that positional group, or is he in this wide receiver group? Not sure at this point. If he's in this wide receiver group, we're going to have a heck of a competition for a six or seven spot. Cup, Woods, Jackson, Atwell, and Jefferson, there's five. Tristan Jackson, he was on the active roster most of last year. Jacob Harris, is he in this group? Ben Skowernick, Jermaine Hadle, one of the best kick returners in college football and undrafted free agent. Is he in play here? The way I see it is, again, if Harris is a wide receiver, Jackson and Skowernick are competing for a seven spot, and actually both are probably long shots at this point. Nasimba Webster, Jermaine Hadale, they are going to have to kick some butt returning the ball in camp and in the preseason, although Webster scares me. Hadel by default, has the edge in that battle. But are they going to have room for one of these guys at all? I don't know. Cup, Woods, Jackson, Atwell, Jefferson, throw in Scourneck or Jackson. Where does that leave Webster and or Hadel? They'd be in trouble. Landon Akers and J.J. Koski, a couple other wide receivers, fighting for practice squad spots the way I see it. So the real key is where Harris lands and how many wide receivers they're going to carry. If Harris is a wide receiver, this is going to be a really, really crowded wide receiver room. And the Rams must have some doubts about a couple of guys that we may have thought of as locks previously. But as a Ram fan, all I can say is this is a really nice problem to have.
time to get back to our Greatest Plays countdown. I have been listing my 10 favorite plays from my perspective in Rams history, from L.A. to St. Louis and back to L.A. If you've missed the first three, numbers 10, 9, and 8, they are listed on our website. Number 10, Greg the Legs, 57-yard field goal to get us into the Super Bowl. Number 9, Ricky Prohl's catch also got us into a Super Bowl. And number 8, just this past season, Darius Williams picked 6 against the Seahawks in the playoffs. You can review all of these on our website, ramsup.com, where we also list our 5 honorable mentions. This week, greatest play number 7. I'm going to take you back to week one of the 2015 season, September 15th in St. Louis, the Seahawks at the Rams. The Seahawks are coming off an NFC championship. Nick Foles is a Rams quarterback. This was a crazy, entertaining game, back and forth. Two punt returns for touchdowns, one by Tyler Lockett, one by Tavon Austin. Rams are up 24-13 in the third quarter after Austin's punt return. Russell Wilson hits Jimmy Graham for a touchdown. They convert the two-point conversion to make it 24-21 Rams. The Seahawks eventually take the lead on a strip sack and score, go up 31-24, and then Foles hits Lance Kendricks to tie it up 31-31, taking it into overtime. Sneaky Pete tries an onside kick to open up the overtime period. Rams recover, can only get a field goal out of it, though. So they're up 34-31. Because the Rams only scored a field goal, the Seahawks get one more chance to score. And they're faced with a fourth and one from approximately the Rams' 41-and-a-half-yard line. So it would have been a 58-plus-yard field goal. So they try to go for it, hand it off to Lynch, which they failed to do in the Super Bowl. But Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald shut it down. Stop Lynch in his tracks, and a celebration begins. It was quite a sight to behold. There's something special about a defense winning a game like that at the end. It doesn't happen very often, a fourth and and short where a team needs to retain possession, and the defense steps up. I think what made that game a little special for me was, number one, you're facing a divisional rival, Number two, it's a divisional rival that's coming off in the NFC Championship in a Super Bowl appearance. So you got high hopes, you got Foles at quarterback, you look like you have a solid defense. So your things are looking up, and opening day you come out and win a game like that in overtime. I was pumped. Unfortunately, that season ended up, I hate to say it, a seven and nine year. We actually had three overtime games that season. But we lost the ensuing two. We did sweep Seattle, however. That's a special game for me. I just remember the entire defense swarming that play after Brockers and Donald shut it down. Quite the celebration in St. Louis. That game will always be special for me. That's greatest play number seven. We'll move on to number six next week. Got another pet peeve this week, our weekly pet peeve. But before I get into it, 
I want to revisit last week's pet peeve real quickly where I discussed pitchers claiming that they had accidentally hit batters and how irrelevant that is. I got quite a bit of feedback and some very strong opinions on that, but no one that wanted to engage me here. So let me clarify one thing. Um, I acknowledge that when pitchers say, hey, it was an accident, I didn't mean to hit him. They really have no choice but to say that if they admit that they did it on purpose, automatic fine and suspension most likely. But I stick by my assertion that if a pitcher is throwing inside and it truly is an accident, and the team who's getting hit by these errant throws believes them to be an accident, it still warrants retaliation. I'm not saying they have to. I'm not saying they will. But if your pitcher is throwing inside, trying to own the inside of the plate, and in doing so, hits my batters, be warned. This week's pet peeve has to do with shovel passes. Sometimes, actually, jet sweeps fall into this category. And I have a problem with them being counted as passing yardage. I know there's really not much we can do about it. It would really screw up the statistics over the last 10 or 20 years if we made a change to this. But I just do not think a shovel pass of one foot should qualify as a forward pass and passing yardage and receiving yardage. I'm not sure how to define what should be a pass and reception, but I know it when I see it. And a shovel pass does not qualify. If we could go back in time, I think it would be great to say a forward pass must either cross the line of scrimmage or be outside of the hash marks when caught. Pretty simple. Anything caught behind the line of scrimmage and in between the hash marks is a run. Whether it's a jet sweep or shuffle pass, I think they would all qualify as runs as defined. I'm not going to make a strong argument for this. Don't feel that strongly about it. But I think counting these shuffle passes and jet sweeps as passing and receiving yardage misrepresents the data. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.